Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Chapin. Let's jump right into the games for this week, starting with Patriots at Falcons on Thursday night. Ramondre Stevenson rumbled for 100 yards on 20 attempts last week, and he also scored twice and caught four or five targets out of the backfield. The rookie started in place of Damian Harris, who was out with a concussion, but even if Harris is back, Stevenson likely played his way into a significant weekly role. He rarely goes down on first contact, and the concerns about weight at Oklahoma haven't been there as he's clearly slimmed down, and the rookie has great feet for a bigger back. If Harris is out again, Stevenson should be ranked as an RB1 play for the run-heavy pass. At quarterback, Mac Jones again was excellent in Week 10, and he can be viewed as a borderline top 15 option this week. As while New England doesn't have a big-time number one wideout, they have a handful of playmakers that can do damage at all levels of the field. Before the season, I believe we had Jones ranked as a top 20 quarterback in Dynasty Leagues, and his arrow is pointing straight up with ways distributed the ball with pinpoint accuracy. For the Falcons, this will be a spot where Calvin Ridley not being there will really be felt. Kyle Pitts is going to get likely bracket coverage, double teams all night, so he needs to be downgraded outside the top five or six at tight end. And Cordell Patterson likely being out with an ankle sprain really saps the playmaking ability from Matt Ryan's weapons. Ryan should be treated as a low-end QB2. And in the backfield, Mike Davis and Wayne Goldman are both flex options. Hopefully by next week, the team will have Ridley back, but we'll see. Shifting to Sunday, starting with the Saints at Eagles, Jalen Hurts was able to upset New Orleans as a rookie. And a big reason for that was the 106 rushing yards on 18 attempts. With the Saints having the league's top run defense, I would expect Philly to go away from the run-heavy offense they've had in recent weeks. So hopefully Hurts gets a shot to be more like the cheat code he was to start the season. And at running back, it sounds like Miles Sanders will be back, but that just makes it difficult to trust anyone. In the backfield, I would expect rookie Kenneth Gainwell to be the odd man out with Jordan Howard remaining a factor and Boston Scott's juice making him a change of pace option between Sanders and Howard. But no matter who is active, it'll be difficult to trust them this week because of the matchup. Also, I'd have a difficult time trusting Dallas Goddard. He got a concussion last week, so he's questionable. But if he's cleared, the Saints are stingy against opposing tight ends. So I actually have Goddard off the tight end one map for this week. On the New Orleans offense, they'll hope to have Alvin Kamara back. But if not, Mark Ingram will remain a RB2 play. And for the passing attack, Taysom Hill will probably remain the backup. I'd be curious to know if the continued role being the Swiss Army knife for Sean Payton's offense might lead to position eligibility change, which would obviously be a boost if he gets the position eligibility at, say, tight end, and then eventually takes over as a starter. So even if he's not the starter now for the Saints, he remains a strong stash, either as a QB if he eventually starts, or if you're lucky and the eligibility does change, then as a cheat code, likely for one week like we saw last year, to start at either tight end or the flex. Next up, Dolphins at Jets. The quarterback injuries are in play here. Tua Tagovailoa has already been named the starter for the Dolphins. The finger issue, we'll see if that comes into play. Didn't seem to affect him last week, but the one follow-through, he hit his head on a defender's helmet, and Brian Flores said that's what they feared. But I guess he got through that fine. He played well against the Ravens to help lead the win, and in a great matchup versus the Jets, he can be a quality streamer. At tight end, hopefully Mike Isicki can bounce back after zero catches last week. I believe he had seven targets, a couple in the end zone. So hopefully the usage remains high. Devontae Parker's out again. And the Dolphins haven't really had a consistent number two wide out step up behind Jalen Waddle. I know Albert Wilson had a big game last week. 
Bukasicki is a clear top two option in the passing game, and he's a top five option at tight end. Don't bench him based on last week. Hopefully he'll bounce back. On New York's offense, they had a bright spot two weeks ago with Elijah Moore breaking out on Thursday night. His usage wasn't encouraging last week. He actually saw his snaps decrease, playing 56% of the snaps. And until New York fully unleashes him, he'll remain a risky flex. The matchup is improved compared to last week. Hopefully he avoids Byron Jones and Xavier Howard. But I'd have a difficult time trusting any of the wideouts for the Jets, including Corey Davis. As I've been saying all season, hopefully with Zach Wilson expected to be back under center, the team will consider turning to the young guys and Elijah Moore and even Denzel Mims for an expanded opportunity down the stretch, but it's really a wait-and-see approach right now. For redraft leagues in particular, Moore should be stashed at least because of the talent. He'll get a couple of nice matchups after this week against the Texans and Eagles. Another game with some quarterback shuffling, Washington at Carolina, and that's because the Panthers have moved from Sam Darnold to P.J. Walker, and now they will transition to Cam Newton as a starter the rest of the way. The former MVP scored twice on nine Snaps last week, some remain skeptical about him as a QB1 play, but I have him in the top 10 this week. Great matchup against Washington. They lost Chase Young for the season, and you know Newton will have a bit of a chip on his shoulder with Washington declining to sign him when made available both earlier this year and after he was released by the Patriots. Still, I would say that Washington has good reason for not going after Cam. Taylor Heineke has shown enough to be encouraged about as the answer for them. Last week, he showed great poise and accuracy in the win over the Bucks, and hopefully Washington will get Logan Thomas back from his hamstring issue this week. Curtis Samuel, not so optimistic about. Sounds like even getting shut down might be an option for him, but at least having Thomas back alongside Terry McLaurin would be reason to be a little more optimistic about Heineke down the stretch. But for this week, I have him as low-end QB2. Tough matchup in Carolina. and something that Cam brings other than the athleticism and Stability to quarterback is an energy for the entire team. I'm sure many of the young players for the youngest roster in the league were fired up to play with Cam last week. So I expect the defense to stay hot and the Panthers are right in the playoff hunt for the wide open number seven seed in the NFC. Again, I have Cam as a top 10 play this week. And if he's available in your league, he should be a top priority for quarterback needy teams. Next up, a playoff rematch from last season, Colts at Bills. Josh Allen unsurprisingly bounced back last week against the Jets and Buffalo getting Matt Breida more involved. He's actually been inactive for the most part, but they used him as a pass catcher out of the backfield, caught an early touchdown, and he brings juice that Devin Singletary and Zach Moss don't really have. So look for this to remain a three-headed backfield. Downgrade Singletary and Moss, they remain the preferred plays, but they're more RB3 plays than potential RB2 plays, and Breida is at least worth a look in deeper leagues. For the Colts, the issue remains the same for them on offense. Jonathan Taylor actually saw a season high, I believe, in snaps, but he had only eight carries last week in the second half with the Colts playing from ahead, and I'm sure Buffalo will be geared up to stop the run. In the playoffs last season, Taylor rushed 21 times for 78 yards. He did find the end zone, but they really bottled him up for the most part. So Taylor remains a obvious top five option, but maybe RB4 rather than RB1 or RB2. For the passing attack, I wouldn't want to play Carson Wentz this week, especially on the road. And Michael Pittman Jr. should be pushed pretty far down the rankings. But this week, along with T.Y. Hilton, I have Pittman as wide receiver 30 and Hilton outside the top 50. The way the Bills have played defense this season, this is a spot to avoid unless you have Taylor. One of the running backs I currently have ranked above Taylor for this week is Nick Chubb. 
So let's move on to Lions at Browns. Chubb obviously missed last week with COVID, but he'll be good this weekend. And I would expect Cleveland, after getting away from the run too early against New England, to commit to Chubb. Kevin Stefanski hasn't had the same kind of commitment to the running game for whatever reason this season, but hopefully the return of his superstar back will lead to at least 20 to 25 touches for him. And the Lions will be fired up to finally get a win after playing Pittsburgh to a push last week. But playing hard might not matter if Cleveland is able to open up holes for Chubb. For me, only Christian McCaffrey is higher in the rankings for this week. Also, Dearness Johnson can remain on the flex radar if Kareem Hunt isn't back. And at wide receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones and Jarvis Landry are in a better spot than last week, so they can be played as flex options. For the Lions, it was disappointing for anyone that owns DeAndre Swift to not get any touchdowns last week with Jamar Jefferson and Godwin Igwebukwe both scoring a long touchdown. But Swift, with his role in the passing game, remains an RB1 option. The Lions should make Josh Reynolds active this week, but it's still not a significant boost that will suddenly allow Jared Goff to target outside the numbers consistently. So obviously Swift, even if Jamal Williams is back, remains an RB1. At tight end, TJ Hawkinson had a zero-catch performance last week. We'll see if he can get going against a Cleveland defense that just allowed two touchdowns to Hunter Henry. But Detroit probably has made a mistake in not getting a better group of receivers to support the strength up the middle with Hawkinson and Swift. So Hawkinson will continue to see extra attention between the numbers. For the next 1 p.m. game, 49ers at Jaguars. Jimmy Garoppolo was great on Monday night. He was threading passes to his playmakers, namely George Kittle and Debo Samuel. And the Niners getting going on the ground should continue allowing Jimmy G to have open windows to throw into. I'm sure Jacksonville will be geared up to try to stop the run. So Garoppolo is definitely on the streaming map for this week. If San Francisco is able to play from ahead, Elijah Mitchell should continue to be featured. Even with Jeff Wilson getting an expanded role, the rookie had a season-high 27 attempts last week on the ground. So we'll see if Miles Jack and the Jacksonville defense is able to match him on those perimeter runs that have been so successful. On offense, the Jaguars haven't gotten going through the air, but Dan Arnold has seen an increasing role. He has at least seven targets and 60 yards in four of the past five games, and Urban Meyer deserves credit for getting him involved since the trade. Arnold will soon find the end zone, I would think, and he's risen to the tight end one ranks for this week. At running back, I would expect a heavy dose of James Robinson. The Niners weren't really challenged on the ground on Monday night, but there's no reason to believe they don't remain vulnerable on the ground. So Robinson is a borderline RB1, RB2, and behind him, I don't think Carlos Hyde needs to be rostered. Robinson will hopefully remain healthy, and even if he's not, Hyde at this point won't be a great play if he eventually starts again. You can also avoid everyone in the Houston backfield as we stick to the AFC South with the Texans and Titans. I think the highest Houston running back in the rankings this week is David Johnson, and he's not even in the top 50. Tennessee's front should be able to swarm and stop whoever gets touches. And even with Tyrod Taylor under center, it's difficult to trust anyone in the Texan backfield. I do think Brandon Cooks has a good shot at a big game. The Saints were able to get behind the Titan cornerback some last week. And last season, Cooks really dominated Tennessee with lines of 9, 68-1. And then in the finale, 11 receptions, 166 yards, and two scores. So I think I have him around low-end wide receiver two range, and that even might be a little low. But he's the only guy on the offense I'd consider playing. On Tennessee's offense, you have to stick with A.J. Brown. I have him as a top-five play at wide receiver. But Adrian Peterson not getting a heavier workload last week has expectations tempered some for him. I thought he'd be able to rise to the RB2 ranks. But Deontay Foreman actually led the backfield, so Peterson might be more of a touchdown-dependent flex than RB2. Although you would think this might be a spot where the Titans feel they can get AD going. But for right now, probably only Brown 
and Ryan Tannehill as a low-end QB1 should be reliably started in redraft leagues. And Marcus Johnson is worth a flyer in DFS play. He's essentially playing the Julio Jones role, and the journeyman wideout looked good on his opportunities last week. Moving on to another divisional matchup, Packers at Vikings. Aaron Rodgers wasn't able to have a monster game through the air last week, but I still think he's got a massive chip on his shoulder because of the COVID issue. Whether or not you agree with Rodgers' stance, he's going to use it to his advantage. And Sunday feels like a spot where he and Devontae Adams will get going with a monster game. And then obviously at running back, A.J. Dillon is a must-start with Aaron Jones out at least one or two games. And I'd expect Green Bay to play through Dillon and Adams to try to put away the Vikings in the NFC North. Minnesota put themselves right in the thick of the playoff race with a huge win over the Chargers last week. But with the way the Packers have played defense, arguably the best defense in the league, even after losing Jair Alexander and Zadarius Smith, has me worried about Kirk Cousins and company. Obviously, you need to play Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and likely Adam Thielen. But the Packers have been dominant, and a disappointing game wouldn't be a surprise. I have Cousins, again, outside the QB1 ranks. And you can find our full rankings at wolfsports.com if you're interested in knowing exactly where he slots in and where everyone slots in this week and every week. For the final 1 p.m. game, Baltimore and Chicago. Just before starting this game, news came out that Le'Veon Bell has been released by the Ravens. I would think that suggests Latavius Murray will be back on Sunday. So I'd like to see the Ravens recommit to their running game with Murray between the tackles and Lamar Jackson obviously doing his normal thing. And that will open things up for Marquise Brown and everyone else. Brown should see Jalen Johnson on Sunday, but he remains an upside wide receiver to play. For Chicago's offense, Justin Fields is coming off his best game of the season and a near upset over the Steelers. And Fields' play provides hope that Allen Robinson can become more of a factor down the stretch. However, Darnell Mooney looks like the number one wideout for Chicago. And I could see him giving Baltimore more fits than Robinson might. Last Monday night, Mooney scored twice, and he has at least five targets in all but one game. The blowout loss to the Browns this season. If you're in need of a wideout for Week 12, I'd be looking ahead to Thanksgiving when the Bears take on the Lions for a better matchup for Robinson and Mooney. But for this week, Fields probably gets downgraded against the Ravens. Chicago will be rested, but so will Baltimore. So David Montgomery, based on his usage, with 15 touches in his first game back from the knee injury. Looks like the only must-start for Chicago. And a tight end if you need help, Cole Komet. I know Mike Isicki was shut out by the Ravens last week, but it's still a good matchup, and Field showed more comfortability throwing to Komet two Mondays ago. So I have Komet as a top 15 option at tight end with the hopes that it will continue. Now for the 4 p.m. slate, Bengals at Raiders. Sunday night was rough for the Raiders and their loss to the Chiefs, but Brian Edwards was a definite bright spot. He had limited opportunities, but turned four targets and at three receptions for 88 yards, including a 37-yard touchdown reception to get the Raiders back into the game. He's another guy that maybe looked forward to Thanksgiving. He takes on the Cowboys, who despite their dominance of Atlanta, can still allow some big plays on the outside. So I like Edwards as a wide receiver three for this week against the Bengals and moving forward. At tight end, Darren Waller is an elite talent and a high-end tight end one play, but it's fair to wonder how big of an impact the loss of John Gruden is having on his production. For whatever you want to say about the former head coach, he was one of the best offensive minds in football, and the production of Waller has been quiet enough that there are concerns to push him clearly behind Travis Kelsey and even George Kittle. And for this week, the Bengals have some athletic linebackers and safeties that could again make it a quiet game for Waller. I still want to trade for him if you're in line for a playoff spot, but a finish like we saw in 2020 seems unlikely. For the Bengals, they need to adjust coming off the bye. 
I would like to see them playing less through Jamar Chase and more through T. Higgins. And that will eventually have coverage slant more away from Chase. But for the most part, the offense should run through Joe Mixon at running back, both as a runner and a receiver. Obviously, he shouldn't get the number of targets that Chase or Higgins do, but they should use Mixon out of the backfield similar to how the Chiefs did Daryl Williams last week. And it also takes the pressure off Joe Burrow coming off his worst game of the season. I'd be playing Burrow as a low-end QB1, Chase as a high-end wide receiver 2, Higgins as a solid wide receiver 2, and obviously Mixon is a must-star RB1 every week. Next game, Cardinals at Seahawks. Russell Wilson returning to get shut out by the Packers. Shouldn't take away from his very impressive comeback from his finger injury. Probably the weather played a factor in his inability to distribute accurately, but a full week of adjustments coming up should allow him to look more like himself. And Seattle is in a big spot as they try to turn their season around. Arizona will be determined coming off a loss to the Panthers, but I definitely like Wilson as a QB1 play. And both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett can explode in any given week, so keep rolling with them in lineups. In the backfield, Chris Carson not practicing last Friday after practice on Wednesday and Thursday could be a bad sign, but it could also be Seattle simply making sure he's fully healthy before returning. But hopefully there is more balance whether it's Carson or Alex Collins that draws a start with the Seahawks, and Arizona is susceptible to opposing ground attacks. So if Carson returns, he'll be on the RB2 map, and Collins, if he gets another start, should be a low-end RB2 flex that will hopefully get more than the 10 carries he saw last week. On Arizona's offense, it's tough to gauge whether Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins will return. Maybe I misheard him, but it sounded like Adam Schefter seemed to indicate Murray has a decent shot but might be rested through the bye, the Week 12 bye, and DeAndre Hopkins is likely to be rested. But I think Christian Kirk can have a nice day, whether it's Murray or Colt McCoy under center, and James Conner remains an RB1 option. The best-case scenario for this game would be Wilson being himself, Murray and Hopkins playing and turning it into a shootout, but as has been the case for the past two weeks, anyone planning to start Murray or Hopkins needs to have a backup plan in place for the late slate. For the final late afternoon game, Dallas at Kansas City. I don't think we need to talk about the studs here. The Chiefs seem to be back, and the Cowboys' loss to the Broncos two weeks ago was clearly an outlier. But for the backfields, Tony Pollard, I like as a low-end RB2 flex in a probable shootout. He had a big game catching the ball out of the backfield in Week 10, and Kansas City will have their hand full with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, along with Michael Gallup after he knocked the rust off last week. And for the Chiefs' backfield, it sounds like Clyde Edwards-Elair will return. But the play of Daryl Williams will be tough to go away from. Clyde Edwards-Elair is a great pass catcher out of the backfield also. But Williams has extremely soft hands for a bigger back. And his overall reliability should keep him on the field. I have Edwards-Elair as a low-end RB2 assuming he plays. But Williams also remains in the top 30 at running back. And he'd be a clear top 20 play if Edwards-Elair is out again. And then at wide receiver, I guess Miko Hardman has the most upside because it takes just one touch for him to be worth a start. But he was behind... Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson for snaps on Sunday night, and it might be better to view him as insurance for Hill rather than a standalone flex. Now for this week's Sunday night game, Steelers at Chargers, Ben Roethlisberger self-reporting with COVID and actually having symptoms could force him to miss another game. Either way, the pass defense of the Chargers is among the league's best, so I wouldn't feel great about Big Ben if he plays and Mason Rudolph as his replacement. Also, that leads to Deontay Johnson, no matter who was under center, being more of a low-end wide receiver two for Week 11. And James Washington, 
who caught a touchdown last week from his former college quarterback, has less appeal as a flex. I do expect Najee Harris to have a big game. The Chargers seem content to let opponents run on them, and Harris should have a featured workload. For Los Angeles, they've struggled both as an offense and as a team since Mike Williams has cooled off. And while he's left some plays in the field, including a drop pass inside the five last week, it's a concern that the Chargers have seen to play more through Keenan Allen rather than funneling targets through Williams like they did to start the season. Williams has seen to revert back to his early career role as more of a deep threat and end zone threat but I would still recommend him as a buy low and I'm keeping Williams in the top 15 at wide receiver for this week. If you didn't know, the Steelers could be without TJ Watt, Mega Fitzpatrick, and Joe Hayden on defense. So the injuries combined with the game not being at Heinz Field should lead to the Chargers not really being downgraded for the matchup. Now to finish off week 11, Giants at Buccaneers. Tom Brady has not played well in back-to-back games, but something just seems off to me about the entire Bucks team right now. I have no doubts they'll turn it on by January. But the defense hasn't covered well, and the passing attack has seemed to struggle with their identity since losing Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. So we'll see if at least one of them can return on Monday night. Joe Judge and the Giants having an extra week to prepare should have them ready for the Bucks. But there's not enough concern about Brady, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans to even consider not starting them. And I'd like for Ronald Jones to be more of a factor behind Fournette. He didn't even record a touch last week, but his explosiveness can maybe provide a spark for the struggling offense. For New York, they'll get a spark from Saquon Barkley, likely returning on Monday night. And while it's a tough matchup, it'll be tough to bench him if healthy. Also, the week off should have Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony being close to 100%, if not at 100%. And again, with the way the Bucks have covered, I like Galladay and Tony as upside flex plays. And Daniel Jones should be a strong streamer. Unlike the Super Bowl matchups, the Giants' pass rush doesn't instill much fear into opponents. So I'd expect Brady to bounce back on Monday night in what could be his last shot at the franchise that's beat him twice in Super Bowls. So hopefully week 11 concludes with a great game. And with that, episode 11 is a wrap. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Dylan Chapin, and this was the Fantasy Consigliere Podcast.